Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, the Atlanta shooting was all Trump's fault. Yes, it was. And specifically, it was the racist hashtags that arose when Trump, after Trump first called the virus COVID, after he first called it the China virus, that was responsible for what happened in Atlanta a couple days ago. Stephen Colbert even carried the message. He said that the Trump's racist rhetoric was directly responsible for the Atlanta small shootings. Directly responsible. I have to say, as soon as I heard that story, you said this anti-Asian bigotry or whatever, whatever word you used has definitely been in the news lately. And I and I'm sure you did, too, just drew a line straight back to Trump, not just for saying that, calling it the China virus and pointing out that it came from China and making people afraid of Chinese people or that's how it was portrayed in the mainstream media. But even before that, he was after China as a, a trade threat and all that. I I still kind of wonder where that's going and what that was all about. I don't really feel like yeah. it was this America first thing, but it was China. And um, I think that, that I, I don't know why it could be that this anti-Asian thing is a way to to develop a new cold war with china right i think that's part of it well you have that going on and then you have the chinese ambassadors meeting with with the u.s ambassadors in the u.s yesterday and kind of telling us that we aren't strong enough so in, they have this conflicting thing where china's here saying you're not strong enough then on the other side they have they're so they're kind of stoking people to say stuff about china and then when somebody says something about china they're being accused of anti-chinese hate which is different. The country China and people who live in the United States that are Chinese, that's not the same thing. Yes, right. They're Americans. It really drives me crazy when people diminish the American. Even my father, who's very, very old school, would never, ever let you call somebody Chinese who was clearly American. He would say that person is of Chinese descent. Like, right. that's what, it, you know, you can't. Yeah. That person is not Chinese. Uh, so, yeah. so. The something that I think is happening here with the China stuff, and I, I feel like I am just barely have my head above water when I listen to, and in our case yesterday, talked to Allison McDowell, like stuff that I think like, wow, I just came up with this great insight for her. It's literally like an, you know, just a little tack on phrase to like some sentence where she's really blows your mind that actually will put that on Rockfin in the next day or two in video form. And next week we'll put it in the podcast feed. But, but this idea that, and I always refer to it as I think it was the hack attack, but it was one of the scenarios from the 2010 Rockefeller Foundation thing where we're being put into this position of like xenophobia and nationalism and closed borders and feeling antagonism towards other ethnicities and countries, trade closing down and everything. But that's really, there's like two sides of it. So that's how we feel. That's what we will be subject to. Maybe like the way Cuba was. Cuba supposedly was an experiment in deindustrialization. 
that that is like how they were going to try to push us. But at the same time, and this could help explain like where I always think there's two different things about China. Like they were in on COVID on event 201. Like what yeah. the heck that the other part of it is the virtual that is this virtual globalism. So the global corporations, the international elite that rises above actual populations there that when she was when Allison was talking about the social impact bonds and these kind of badges or um, information that everybody is like a, a source of data and it's all going to plug in. She that was every corner of the earth. It's totally a global thing. It is outside the realm of national borders. But in the meanwhile, we will be slowed down. We will be shut down. Our and for our information will be highly um, will be hit up against barriers. And I and I think that's very interesting because it's kind of it's a it, it is in itself a weapon to do it that way. So we're yeah. we're going to see xenophobia and think that we're all shutting down, but it's really not working that way. I think behind the scenes in the highest levels. Yeah, I I would agree with that. What's interesting about this is. The media just kind of dismisses the whole sex addiction thing. No, nah, it wasn't sex addiction. We know. We can read his mind. And they also ci- cited the scientists are dubious about the sex addiction claim because they say that there is no link between sex addiction and violence. Therefore, he clearly was doing it for racial motives. I mean, this is the logic we're hearing in the news. And then you're going to get the dialectic, which is that stereotypes Asian women. Yep. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not cool, and the media should not promote it that way. So, what do you want to hear next? You want to hear about De Blasio next, or do you want to hear? Yeah, I yeah. Let's hear about uh, yeah. Or if you want to, if actually, I think you should tell about um something that was left over from yesterday. I think fits okay. with what yeah. happened there. Experts are warning of a rise in hate crimes motivated by quote. Male supremacy, male supremacy, terrorism, they're calling it. Organizations like the Anti-Defamation League, Southern Southern Poverty Law Center, and a place called the International Center for Counterterrorism have warned of a phenomenon called male supremacy, terrorism driven by aggravated male entitlement and aggrieved, excuse me, aggrieved male entitlement and a desire to preserve traditional gender roles. The International Center for Counterterrorism said that this ideology has two core beliefs. This male supremacy terrorism has two core beliefs. One is that men are entitled to sexual access to women. And two is that feminists are a malevolent, thank you, malevolent force controlling society at the expense of men. Wow. Well, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. They say that both of these beliefs have been used to justify violence and shootings at yoga studios and uh, like the slaughter in Toronto in 2010. So the rise of male supremacy violence. Yes. And that I've also read that it's a reaction to loss of privilege that as the world is getting, quote, nouveau woke, that it's because of that. And I, I think. I, I keep waiting for them to claim that that's why seven out of 10 suicides are white males. I keep wanting them to dismiss that fact from yeah. uh, by saying it's it's loss of privilege, but it, they can't because the it's always it's been that way since as long as since, the first time I heard that stat was many, many years ago. Has anybody 
asked uh, the question or commented on this kid was going to these yoga studios or I don't know if he's going to these places, but he was having sexual encounters is the implication here. Now, of course, you can have sex with someone that you hate, but does someone who's racist typically have a lot of sex or seek out the race that they... It's that they're... I think that the the message with this is that that culture is, has this cultural quirk or perk where they get happy endings at the massages. Like that when you go to a massage of uh, like Anglo, whatever, you don't expect that. No, of course. My, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's not that it's racist. It's that that. That yeah, culture, I know, I know. that race yeah. is the one that brought it to him. And it's de facto racism because it is a culture clash is how I I mean, I have a little bit of a deeper insight. You know, I'm not I, I know that's not what the headlines are blaring, but I think that's right. How you would it just seems like it. somebody who is truly racist and hateful isn't going to be going to get hand jobs from uh, the race that he has so much despised for. And didn't it? No, I'm saying, but he developed that. Yeah. Okay. Anger so product of, as a yeah. result. Yeah. But wasn't in the news that day or the day before a in Houston, an athlete, I think a basketball player was accused of going to a massage parlor and insisting on a happy ending that he was <laughs> I, not I, entitled to. I vaguely recall that story. That was like the same day or the day before. And it's just funny how these things tend to validate the theme yeah. that you just heard in a psyop it's and, and and i think that they leave i'm not saying it's a psyop but it is like a false flag or it's being exploited and i sometimes wonder if they trigger one or the other of the stories to coincide with that event it does feel like this similar stories of a similar theme get highlighted around big stories like this so definitely yeah. happens a lot so de blasio has been encouraging police officers since the atlanta shooting to confront non-criminal conduct that they deem hateful So non-criminal conduct. Here's what he said. He said, even if something is not a criminal case, a perpetrator being confronted by the city, whether it's NYPD or another agency, and being told that what they've done was very hurtful to another person and could, if ever repeated, lead to criminal charges. That's another important piece of the puzzle, de Blasio said. And he went on to say that if someone has done something wrong, even if it's not illegal or criminal, Action could be taken from there. Without any example? No. He says officers are trained to give warnings, so if someone's done something wrong but it's not rising to the criminal level, it's perfectly appropriate for the cops to talk to them and say that wasn't appropriate. If you did it at a higher level, it'd be a crime. So I guess he's giving the argument of so a cop as a courtesy saying, hey, what you're doing is not right. If you keep doing it, I'm going to have to arrest you. But what would it, what could it be? He doesn't give an example. At least, and I didn't like see using a racial epithet. Is that is that even legal? I'm, I'm surprised Perhaps. it's even legal anymore. It's police. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of room for interpretation there. It's going to be it's thought crime. This is very interesting because it it I think it will fold into the whole so, social workers as cops thing, and this goes back to what I I thought maybe. They, I, I know I've mentioned this before. I was trying to figure out what is the 21st century dialectic. I've been trying to figure that out for 10 years. And right away, the first thing was this clash of civilizations. And I even heard Hillary talk about it. But it started with Bernard Lewis. Samuel Huntington wrote a whole book about it. And it was about Islam versus the Judeo-Christian West. And I thought that sounds like a 
you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis around religion. And we would then have a secular morality starting to merge with the state. So it wouldn't be actual Sharia law, but it would be a moral thing that is part of law. So, um, regulations around sex or masks or um, I don't know what, but I felt like there would be some of that. And this feels like that. This feels like moral strictures that are enforced yeah. by guys with guns. And that is yeah. truly the combination of church and state that we have been, you know, is inherent in the First Amendment. Like, I think that's yeah. a violation of the First Amendment. Yeah, it's going to amp up and we're hearing talk about the hate crime laws around the country, which leave a lot of room open for interpretation. Usually, if you murder a bunch of people, is, aren't, isn't that always a hate crime, it feels like? That's what I always thought. And the idea of hate is perforce subjective. Like, you have to just attribute to somebody an emotion that they're definitely going to deny. Yeah. You know, there's no act in it. I guess there's an act. I don't know. The hate crime thing. People get into it. And I know there's really a good, there are really profound reasons to avoid it. But I, I agree with you that it's every crime is, you know, yeah. it's, it's I mean, harmful. It doesn't right. matter what your feeling is. It's it's like it's like they're categorizing, well, there's good murders and then there's bad murders. No, they're all bad. Right. Murders. Some people deserve it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyway, I did, uh, speaking of male terrorism and cops doing the opposite of what you said, actually, this, remember we were talking about the Nashville bombing back, I think it was like around Christmas time. Yeah. And there's there was TMZ, on TMZ was video of a couple of cops walking past the van that was blaring the message to get out of there. It was in front of an AT&T building. The cops were doing absolutely nothing and said on the cam... You could hear him say, that is a, that is a good place for the bomb. <laughs> then they went strolling a couple of blocks. The bomb went off and they turned around and kind of calmly walked back. And when they went back, you could see that there were cop cars around a perimeter. That's why there was yeah. nobody there. So it was all set up already. Anyway, they the powers that be came out saying that the Nashville bombing was not a terrorist act. It was just a suicide. And... Because the guy gave a warning that he was about to blow the block up, he didn't mean to hurt anybody. I mean, what a weird way to kill yourself if you don't, if you're not looking to scare. Just a public display, I guess. That's interesting. They are trying to. I don't think they have yet, but they are trying to push to get the police to classify the shooting in Atlanta as domestic terrorism. Oh, really? Yeah. But was he really trying to terrorize? Maybe. I don't know. Guess we'll, guess we'll find out what they determine anyway. So Biden, I almost said Hunter Biden, <laughs> Joe Biden, President Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden has done a 100 flowers type campaign against some of his own staffers. We talk about the 100 flowers campaign often. It's where in Mao's China, he encouraged the public for 100 days to come out and give their criticisms and ideas of the government and ideas to improve it. And people did. And great. Wow. Open mind. They're going to listen. And then after that 100 days, he rounded up the people who criticized the government. So it was a, it was a trick. Well, Biden seems to have done that with marijuana as a bunch of staffers have lost their jobs. 
because they filled out on a form when they were filling out a background check when Biden came into office and they encouraged them to be honest about their past drug use. And the staffers, they were excited about this. Wow, it's going to be open. Things are going to be different. And they did. They admitted their past drug use, even in states where it was legal even in states where it was legal. And then now they have they have been fired or they've been asked to resign. And some others, like 12 of them, have been kind of put on the sidelines. So here's what I think is going to happen here. I think this is too, too blatant of an outrage story for the left. It's going to make Biden look bad because there's not going to be any excuse he gives that is going to make progressives say, OK, I get why you did that. So I think what this is going to be is this is going to be Kamala is going to come in. And these I think that these staffers are going to get reinstated. This is just me speculating here. I think they're going to get reinstated. And I think the credit is going to be given to Kamala, who talks some sense into Joe, because we know Kamala admitted to smoking weed during a radio interview when she was campaigning because she was trying to look cool. And her father got mad at her because she said, I'm Jamaican. What do you expect? Yeah. So and the dad was like, I'm a professor at Stanford. Like, why right. would you say that we're a bunch of potheads? Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And there was Something backlash like against Kamala after that because people said, yeah, you were a cop who put a bunch of black people in prison for a long time. Knowing ha- some of them were innocent, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Didn't she not let them out? That's there common. was definitely. Yeah, there was some, there's some rumors out. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is going to be another effort to give Kamala some credit in that community to kind of take away that tarnish of her imprisoning people smoking marijuana because Kamala might come save the day. That's just a prediction. We'll see. If it That's happens. interesting. I, I think that I have always thought that this idea of medical marijuana, I used to stand against it on principle, like you get your pot card or whatever, because they have no right to keep it away from you anyway. Like, I don't want to say, oh, well, they're letting us have it. Thank you. No, it should be legal. It, it should not be a criminal offense. And then, but I remember when I think it was Hawaii, I could be wrong, but Hawaii had the medical marijuana thing. And then they actually passed a law or tried to pass a law that said if you, after the fact, if you did join the marijuana registry, you are, uh, you can't get a gun, which is really uh, taking away a fundamental right for no reason to be tricked into it. Your weed or your gun. That's what they No, want. but you didn't choose. You you did the right thing. You registered. They asked you to register your pot and they said, okay, that and once they did that, then they ensnared all those people, just not because they cared about people smoking pot having guns. They did it because it was a great way to get twenty percent of the population to have no gun rights. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting that on the same day that that story came out, uh, Biden slipped up and called Kamala President Kamala during his COVID speech. And did you hear that he actually slipped on the steps going up to Air Force One? This was on Fox headline news. And he's like, and the guy even said, you could see the video of it. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. You can see the video. He does walk with shorts. He walks like an old, old man. He does walk like his underwear is too tight, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's got the tiny little short steps. But he has a great... His his fashion's fantastic, and I he's, so, he's got a great body. That yeah, comic he does. Book you're he's reading. so fit. I know the comic book doesn't make him look buff, but he no, he's slim and he has good posture. I think that guy's fit. I think yeah. it's all the crap. Yeah, he does. He does exercise at least on camera. They do exercise sometimes. Yeah, I think he so. Does. We have gotten we we anticipated this last week, maybe even earlier this week. The new social distancing guidelines from the CDC were issued today. And they are going to apply to, this is for children in schools only, 
And they've changed the recommended distancing guidelines from six feet to three feet as long as universal mask wearing is in effect. And they said that middle school and high school students should remain six feet six feet apart in communities where positivity rates are above 10 percent or in settings where groups of students are kept together with the same students throughout the day is not available. So if you have to go through, interact with different students and different teachers, this is just, I think, foreshadowing that we're going to continue to see this three-foot rule applied in other areas. And for a year, we've been told how important it is to stay six feet away. I mean, so much so that when you walk into a store, if they even let you in, (laughs) you see markers for six feet of distance. Stores across the country have changed the infrastructure of of their buildings to meet these six feet guidelines. And now we're finding out that it's just been based on no data at all. And they're changing it. Oh, I it's mean, no big deal. I told you last month I went into the CVS and the old lady literally had her hands out like a windmill to measure know, the six feet. Yeah. to make sure that I didn't come too close. And she was freaking out. I was like, dude, get go home. And they did PSAs for this. They would have Kevin Hart lie down and Conan O'Brien say, stay two Kevin Hart's apart. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's funny. It is funny. short. But now it's just one Kevin Hart apart. So. <laughs> Boy, he has sure made a living off of off being short. Yeah, he, he made a, lemonade out of that that's, one. That's, if, when you're in comedy, that's one thing is if you got some cork about you, while in other yeah. avenues of life, that might not. If you want to yes. be a basketball player, being really short is not helpful, but... Uh, it is very helpful in comedy. Same thing with if you're really overweight or really, really skinny, or you just got a weird looking face. It's all, those are all good things for comedians. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> so Europe apparently has missed its chance to stop the third wave as France has gone on lockdown again because of the variant we're learning that the variant is becoming unstoppable. Uh, Paris. Paris went into lockdown because of the variant as it rampages across the country. And Fauci's warning about this. That's why he's telling everybody, make sure you get that vaccine because that variant, it's not here yet, really. It hasn't affected us yet, but it could, he warns. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they would have to do a little better job at defining what they're calling this virus to get that nuanced besides i remember doing a story like when this thing was first have first emerging so a year ago over a year ago and i believe it was iceland had iceland had literally ident- taken it was so small a place that they could take the blood of every single solitary person there or took an nasal swab of every they tested every single person and uh they immediately, like, whatever, gave the stats on that, which flew in the face of the stuff we were being told. But one of the things that they said is that they identified 40, 40, 40 variants. So I guess the story now is that this variant is more infectious, but no more deadly. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, they're using it as an excuse to say that you need more vaccines or that if you had it and have the antibodies, it's still not good enough. So they're rewriting the rules of viruses. And by the way, they're going to rewrite the rules of vaccines too, even though I don't think, I think it applies in this case, but what Dr. Shiva said in his original launch to the world about adjuvants and everything else is that your innate immunity, I think it is, like to get to get an illness from the environment and fight it makes you resistant to 
a lot of closely related illnesses. But if you get a vaccine directly into your acquired immune system, maybe the name of it, then it gives you only a narrow, a narrow um, range of immunities. And then what they were saying about the conventional COVID vaccines, which is the thing I worry about with Novavax, or it was just BS from the beginning, was that they said that coronavirus vaccines can result in immune enhancement, which is you're actually more susceptible to closely related germs when you get yeah. a vaccine. So there's a lot to worry about with the vaccines, but I think they're they're rewriting the rules saying that if you actually got it, you're susceptible to that other strain, but vaccines can make you more resistant to related strains. And I would just have to see the studies on that really dig into them because it is different from what the previous science was. But of course, you know, it's like the warnings on the mainstream media things like this story is two years old. <laughs> you know, as if yeah. facts expire. Yeah. Well, I have a final story to tell you about that's going to relate to that uh, with Rand Paul's little interaction with Fauci yesterday. Oh, so save that for the that'll be the last story of the free 30. But I did also we're going to do the patron 15 uh, Thursday night football has an announcement to make. And it's pretty shocking if you ask me. Also. There is a new rising multimedia artist who used to be a president of the United States. We'll hear about that in <laughs> Patron 15. And then I will tell you about where I think the future of Uber lays, lies, something like that. But before we get to that, let's hear from our most a, a sponsor with the most colorful ad, so colorful as a matter of fact, that we just play the ad. I will say the products are super fun, so please check it out. Uh, but let's hear the ad and then I'll tell you. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and Rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's shit. So I encourage you, they came out with some new products. It's very funny. It's like despair.com, but on T-shirts and it's original. It's not the same stuff as despair. I really like it. It's very fun. I love my shirt. I've got a propaganda shirt. Very, very cute. I bought you one, Binkley, for Christmas, but I'm saving it for your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm not kidding. So um, because I got you a different shirt for Christmas. Yeah, which I love. Batman. Batman. He, he coined Trump as Batman. It was very excellent. So many years ago, 2016, October 2016. So kudos to you, Binkley. But for Rye Guys, if you go to ryeguys.com, that's Rye with a W, use the promo code PROP10, PROP, P-R-O-P-10, for 10% off so they know that our listeners 
uh, support them and their support of us. Many thanks to the Rye guys. And I want to tell you about we. So we talk about this all the time, but uh, I have to say, Binkley, the stuff that you have been finding for the Rockfin videos are is better every single week. Like it's mind blowing. I kind of I I do. It's just amazing. And the one that you're, I think, when are you dropping this? The first installment of the next grouping. Hopefully Maybe by Sunday. Weekend. All right. So over the weekend, he's going to put the first hour of something that we've been working on. We're not quite finished, but I think the first hour will be finished on the Rockfin videos. And it's really it's I mean, you put it very succinctly. What is it? It's about psychological warfare, psychological warfare with the use of narrative, narrative warfare to manipulate the public. And those guys are talking about it as if they're using it on other countries. But once you hear what they're saying, you can't deny it's exactly what they're doing to us. Yeah. I mean, it's they everywhere. are doing it to us. So that's Rockfin. And with Rockfin, go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. You can join through our uh Try to watch one of our videos and a subscription thing will pop up. But you not only get our exclusive stuff, all the other, we put all of our videos on there. So when you hear an audio interview, almost every time we've put the video of it on Rockfin because YouTube just, I don't want to risk it. So we don't put our videos up there too much. So uh, you can get all of that there, but you also get everybody else's stuff. I mean, Sam Tripoli, Jimmy Dore, uh, Whitney Webb, Jason Burmis. People love him. I think he's hugely popular over there. Tons of stuff he puts out. It's almost wrong that we can piggyback off of all those guys. But uh, we're it's just a great community of creators and uh, highly recommend. That's rockfin.com. And if you are a patron saint, on Patreon for Propaganda Report. Message me. And if you want to join Rockfin, I will cut you a deal. So that's fun. Absolutely. So uh, without further ado, on with the last story of the Free 30. So many of you yesterday probably saw Rand Paul challenging Fauci again. We see this happen now. It's become a routine where every every month or so, maybe every few weeks, we see a little exchange between Rand Paul and Fauci during some hearing on coronavirus. And Rand Paul went through a bunch of studies that found no hospitalizations, no deaths due to variants, and he cited the doctors. It was it was a lot of medical mumbo jumbo. So it you know it's not the easiest stuff to listen to. And Fauci countered it contentiously, but Fauci didn't really provide any evidence. And Rand Paul was like, can you tell me what evidence you're citing or what papers you're citing to justify wearing multiple masks? You're parading around in multiple masks. This is theater. There is no evidence. This is what Rand Paul said. And of course, Fauci said, it's not theater. It's not theater. You're wrong. And the whole thing to me was, was, I'm glad Rand Paul does this. I would like to see him do something that would impact the viewers more because if you have if you haven't really looked into the variants and looked into the medical stuff it can be confusing some of this stuff i would like to see Rand paul or anybody really the next time they have one of these hearings just play the clip of carrie mullis saying dr fat play this to fauci the clip where he says dr fauci <laughs> doesn't know anything dr fauci will get up on television and lie to the american public and force fauci 
to respond to that, force him to either agree with Kerry Mullis, who created the PCR test that all of this stuff has been built on, or to criticize the guy who created the test that he is using to justify all this nonsense. Well, I mean, maybe Rand doesn't really want to rise to that level. It's possible. Uh, that's what my, I was Is thinking about earlier. Think? I was like, does Rand not know about that? Surely he does. He has to uh, know about Kerry Mullis. I mean, if he's doing his own research or like, you know, tweets, <laughs> then then he would. But maybe he just he plays his role. You know, maybe you have to have somebody speaking truth to power out there. But it doesn't have to be super effective. Yeah, I, I guess that could get him in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, so. I don't know, but uh, it it someone there's certainly plenty that you could call Fauci out on. That is for sure. So I do want to. I've been saving a shout out for this day for a All long right. time. And it's so long that I hope I can uh, read it correctly. I had read it previously, but Cat, Cat Darkness, she likes to send us um, seasonal items. So this, she sent us a shout out for the first day of spring. Oh, is today to, the first day of spring? Uh, it will be Sunday, but this is okay. our last Danby before. To spring, when the resurrection of life reasserts itself through rebirth and rejuvenation, the reawakening of nature reminds us that we have been cozily dormant, but it's time again to plant, grow, wish, and believe. To believers who don't agree that wishes are only silly ideas for children, wishes are hope and desire, and spring opens up the world to wishing. A first star, a shooting star, a dandelion, a ladybug, a wishbone. So to spring and to believers, I wish you may, I wish you might kiss the clock and make a wish. It's 11-11. Blow an eyelash into the air and four leaf clovers really do exist. Cat Duckness is a colorful gal. And if you want to meet her, a poet, for sure. Uh, Not only does she usually attend our Zoom parties, she always attends the DPPs and... My guess and hope is that she will be there for us when we get together at Neighbors on April 18th. Yes, that was a great, that was well written. And I like the 1111 reference as well. I, I know yeah, there's used a to lot make of different potential meanings about wishes. 11-11. You know, as a oh, make a little wish. girl, you used to make a wish yes, on 1111. Right. I used to make four wishes, none of which came true. But, you know, sometimes praying works. So I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get on to the Patron 15. All right. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to y'all next week or in the Patron 15. Have a fantastic weekend.